This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, welcome everybody. Welcome all our Torah Anytime uh, viewers. We are continuing with the third and final part of the amazing uh, Purim story. I really find it fascinating. Every year when I read it again, I learn it again. It's just so amazing. There's so many lessons that you can learn from it. But we're doing the the... The basics with a not so basic twist. So we're going to go through the, again the story with the midrashim with with things that generally you you did not uh, know of. So just a recap from where we ended off last time. We ended off last time that um, this that Achashverosh had this had these dreams, and he didn't know in his dreams they kept on calling him ungrateful, and he saw dreams of like Haman taking his crown, taking his uh, taking a sword as if to kill him. So he's like thinking, is Haman trying to plot against me? What's going on? And he was also confused with what's the whole situation going on with with Estelle. And, um, and Haman, are they, like, why is she inviting him so many times again to the same party, you know, to the party? It's already twice, it's a little odd. So maybe they're in cahoots together, maybe they're playing against each other, who knows what's going on. But then, he was reading the book of records, the, the Sefer Zikonot, and he, and he realized that the, um, that Mordechai saved his life once. And who was the one who also saved it was, it was through the hand of Esther, because Esther put it in. So then he realized, you know what, Esther, I don't have to worry about. Mordechai, I don't have to worry about, because he saw, he proved his, you know, his level of, uh, of, uh, you know, um, adherence to the, to the crown. So, um, now he's still nervous about what's going on with, uh, with Haman. Now, Haman, at this point in the story, he was, he already built his gallows. He wanted, he wanted to go and get permission from the king to go and kill Mordechai. Because after the first party, he left the first party, he was very happy, he saw Mordechai again, and Mordechai did not bow down to him, he got really furious, and then he wanted to go and he wanted to, um, to hang, to hang, uh, Mordechai by the, by his, in his, basically in his backyard. For before even the next party is is in there, so we're in between the two parties now, between two uh, two of Esther's party, and we are. I believe that's where we're. Oh, so the, where we ended off last time was that Haman was so impatient. He was so impatient. He couldn't wait till the next day that he could he couldn't sleep at night. He went early in the morning, way way early in the morning, way before the sun comes out. He came out to um to Achashverosh's palace, and he wanted to get permission to hang Mordechai. So. He goes in and um, he's sitting there like who knows at what time in the morning. No one's up, everyone's sleeping, and he's hanging around the courtyard of the king. And he's like, you know, he's like thinking, should I knock? Should I not knock? And um, at this point in time, Achashverosh is in the is in the palace. He just woke up from another dream that it, that seems like Haman is is out to get him. And and then he hears something going on in his courtyard. So he tells his servants, he tells his you know his advisors, what's going on in the courtyard? Who's out there? Because he's very agitated as of with his dream. Like what's going on? Is it? So the servants look out. They see that it's Haman. So they're like, the, 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 the advisors tell him, he says, look at that, God, you don't need interpretation of your dream. Here's your dream interpretation, here's the interpretation right over here, God is showing it to you. He says, who comes to so early in the morning, two, three, four in the morning, to come to, especially not as someone in the caliber of Haman. Haman always comes in at the last, he walks in at the last, shows that he's, you know, he's, he's the most, uh, has the most power. So says, um, says uh, Ahasuerus, you know, let's don't let him come in. Let's see what he does. Let's see what his intentions are. If he's snooping around, if he's just going to burge, you know, just come right in without invitation, then we know something fishy is up. If he's going to wait, so Haman knocks, but no one's answering. But Haman hears people talking inside. So he's in this conflicting thing. He's like, what should I do? So this is where we left off, I believe, last time. So this is a, from here, it's going to be the new, the new information. So he's going, Haman is in this, in this predicament right now. He says, should I just barge right into the king's inner chamber? It's not, you can't really do that. But at the second point in time, I'm in the middle of the night, in front of the king's palace. And I'm sitting over here, you know, and I look very, very suspicious. So he's going back and forth, back and forth. And meanwhile, there's a delay. 
So, you know, every, you know, when you're in these situations, every second is like five minutes. You're like, what should I do? I have no idea what to do. So, Achashosh is sitting over there. He's sitting there waiting to see what happens. Haman is sitting over there waiting to see what happens as well. And Haman says, you know what? It looks too suspicious. It's not good. And he takes the door, opens it, and walks right in. The king, everybody is like sitting here and they're all like, what? You know, picture this, this scenario. They're all up. They're all sitting at there. And he just walks right in. And they catch him right off guard. The king doesn't even let him introduce, doesn't even say any question. The king, the first thing the king shoots at him, he's, the king's like, what should a king do if he wants to honor somebody? So this completely caught Haman off guard. And if you could just imagine the scenery, like he's sitting there knocking. He knows that they hear them. He heard them speaking. And there's a group of people there. And he just barges right in. And they're all sitting there and staring at him. So, you know, it's like the situation when you walk into a place and you're like, okay, they were just talking about me. Um, but at the same time, you look at the story, it didn't really click to him. Look how Hashem worked out the story. So, he goes and the king, the reason why the king wanted to ask him his opinion, what should a king do if he, will, he wants to honor somebody? So the, um, so, so, the king said, let me see by his response... And then I can figure out what his true intentions are. If he starts mentioning the crown and some other like crazy stuff, then I know that he has my head, that that's what his goal is. But if he's just mentioned some other things, uh, so I can sort of play him out where he, uh, where he's, uh, where he's feeling, where, where he's really situated at this point in time. So Haman is sitting over there, he gets this, this question just blown at him. And he's like, he's like, his, he's running through his mind in like, you know, seconds that he has before he can answer it. And he's like, who could the king possibly want to honor rather than me, right? He's got his man brain on. All he's thinking about is just himself and how awesome he is. And he's like, he's like, there is nobody that is greater than me that a king wants to honor. And in fact, why would he ask me a question? It's a very simple thing. You want to honor somebody, give him money. What's, what's a better way to do? Give him a you know, nice, beautiful you know, present, something materialistic. But what happens, he see, this time I'm thinking, he says, maybe the reason why the king is asking is because the guy who he wants to honor has a lot of money, doesn't need the money. Money's not going to change in it. You know, if you give somebody who's a billionaire a thousand dollars, it's not going to change it. That, that's not going to make any difference then. So maybe he needs something, it's something that's greater. So, so says Haman, who is that referring to other than me? It must be that it's referring to me because I have all the money. I'm the highest thing. So the king wants to know what I should be honored. So this is what that, this is how Haman is, uh, is thinking. So Haman goes and he says, um, he says that if you really want to honor somebody, says Haman, you take the you take the king's uh, the king's uh, you know coronation the you know everything that when the king becomes coronated he wears special robes special crown a special horse special everything, and the Haman starts describing on how this person should be should be just wearing everything that the king wore from the bottom to the top inside and out every single piece of clothing, and. Um, and, and Haman was also very careful about this because he wasn't 100% sure that it's referring to him. So because he wasn't 100% sure that it's referring to him, he says, you know what, let's make it something that's temporary. It's going to be a tremendous amount of honor, but just in case it's not for me, it's going to be something very temporary. So he says, uh, you take all the king's clothes that he wore in this coronation, and you take his horse that he rode on in his coronation, and he should dress just like the king dressed on his coronation, and he should wear his crown just like the king wore on his coronation. So the second that the word crown left his lips, you know, Ahasuerus, you know, he was waiting for that trigger word, and he saw that trigger word, and he made like a flinch. And Haman noticed that, so he quickly retracted it. And he says, you know, and he should take his coronation, his coronation horse, his royal robes, but no more mention of crown. He realized that he was, you know, how it's like, you know, you're like, you're, te- you're testing. So you go a little bit, you're a little bit, and you know, like a little kid. So you'd be like, okay, can I stay till uh, up till 9? Fine. Can I stay till 9.30? Fine. Can I stay till 10? Stop. You know, okay, 9.30, 9.30, 9.30, fine. You know, so, so sort of Haman was like testing how far he could go. He went to the crown, he saw it wasn't it. He, he went one more back. So he goes and... 
He continues, Haman, and he says that of this, what you do. Now, this person who you want to honor is wearing all these royal robes, the royal horse, and he's going and he's being paraded. He's paraded, um, I think, Adama. He's paraded through, um, he's paraded through town, and he's being run by in front of in front of uh, all the king's officials and he says, says Haman the more officials that you have in front of him parading with him together the greater the honor that it's going to be and the, he says the king should also have people that are you know like a runners that they run ahead of it ahead of this whole parade and announce that this shall be done to the to the man that the king wishes to honor and then he goes in and he adds in and he says whoever doesn't bow down to this man shall be put to death you can realize he was already thinking that it's him. He says, this is, you know, two, two birds with one stone. You can do it, get, get, get uh, Mordechai done like this as well. So, he puts down this whole beautiful plan that Haman is thinking for himself. And the king says to Haman, the king now, after he hears his whole, his whole, uh, you know, his whole story, the king says to Haman, he says, huh, you think I'm talking about you? He's like, no, no, no. He says, he says take all the things that you mentioned, the, the robes, the horse, the coronation, and the crown, but take it to Mordechai the Jew. And, um, the reason why, why all of a sudden, you know, Achashverosh wanted to honor, you know, Mordechai is because he just read the night before that he, Mordechai saved his life. He never got this, this reward that he was, that he should have gotten. And he realized that Mordechai and Esther, they had a connection. They actually lived, you know, they, they, Mordechai raised her. So he says, for sure, that's what Esther's coming to the party. She's coming to the party to, to request something to, you know, for, for a payment for Mordechai who saved her life. So he says, I'm gonna go one up on her. I'm gonna get his reward before even she comes to the party. So he says he wanted to do that that day before the, before the party was supposed to happen. The party with Estelle, Mordechai, and, and Haman, and Achashosh was supposed to be that night. So, says, says, uh, Haman, you do it, you take all the things that you said and do it to Mordechai. And he says, don't go through the back alleys or things, just like you said, that the main boulevard all cross through the whole entire capital, through the whole town. So, and, and then he says, and says, do not omit a single thing that you said. And then furthermore, the king goes and he says, uh, you know, these royal robes are very expensive. The horse is a very expensive horse. The crown is priceless. He says, I don't want anybody else doing it other than you, because I trust nobody else other than you. So, at this point, you know, Haman, his head is spinning off, you know, like a top. And he's like, he's like, he's like, Mordechai. You know, he starts to like, it's like, what Mordechai are you referring to? I don't know any Mordechai. So he says, uh, I'm speaking about Mordechai the Jew, like I said before. So, you know, Haman goes, says, uh, I thought we had an agreement about these uh, Jews, you know. And he says, you know, I bought the Jews. If anything, they're mine. How could I go and degrade myself to somebody who I already own? And besides, I don't know, even know which, you know, which Mordechai you're referring to. So he says, you know, you know, you know, you know very well which Mordechai I'm referring to. He's a, one of my chief ministers, and you think that, you know, I sold you all the Jews. You think, uh, you know, I, he didn't even say Jews. You think I sold you this whole people. You think I sold you my ministers as well? My ministers belong to me. They don't belong to you, and they never, they never have, and they never will. So then the king goes, and he says, I know, I heard from a grapevine uh, about something that happened in the Indian province between you and Mordechai. And from what I hear about all this commotion and the talk around the castle, he has a good reason not to bow down to you. So he goes uh, and says, says Haman, and he tries, and he, this, this dialogue is amazing how, how Haman tries to get out of it. And he goes, Haman goes to Ahasuerus, and he says, he says, listen, I didn't realize you're paying a debt. There's two different things. There's to honor somebody and there's to pay a debt. When you're paying someone a debt, you pay no more than you, than, than you owe. Because if you pay more, it's, it looks bad for the king. If you want to honor somebody, that goes on a different level. Over here, you owe a debt to Mordechai. Because Mordechai saved your life, so you owe him. So you give him, give him, you know, he doesn't have so much money. Give him a, give him a nice city. Give him a province. He's going to be more than grateful. Um, so, 
he says, um, so says the king, and he says, listen, I didn't have this idea. You had this idea. You do exactly what you said. And then the king says, I know you don't have my interest at heart. He tells uh, Ahasuerus, somebody that I like, you hate. Somebody that I hate, you like. And uh, um, so he says, at this point in time, my desire will happen and not yours. So Haman starts begging. He says, I, I beg of you. He says, don't humiliate me. I, I, I admit to everything. He's like, the guy who you want me to, kill, to, to right now parade in front of the whole world is my arch enemy. And in fact, I'll be just frankly honest with you. I came here this morning so early just to get permission to hang him on my gallows. Look, I prepared gallows just for him. And he says, you know, there, I admitted it. I have it. There it is. Just please don't let me do it. Don't humiliate me. So the king says, enough with the yappity yappity and more of the walkity walkity and go on and go on to do it. So Haman starts starts shaking. He's, you know, he's, he's literally getting, you know, turned right upside down on his head. So he starts stalling. He says, listen, he says, you know, your majesty has many gates. How do I know which gate he's actually sitting at? So the king says, if you want, I'll give you directions exactly where he's located. So the, you know, Haman keeps on trying. He says, alright, alright, you know, let's make a deal over here. He says, you know, I was willing to pay you 10,000 loaves of silver. 10,000 loaves of silver is not, you know, just pieces of silver. Loaves of silver. You're talking about, you're talking about lots and lots of money. He says, let me give it to Mordechai. Let me give those 10,000 loaves. That's a crazy amount of money. I'll give it to him. So, the king says, alright, give him your money. After all, he deserves it. It turns out it sounds like, you know, you're actually his slave. He says, but you're not going to get out of the honor that you actually, you're going to give him. And that every single detail that you told me that, that you thought it was about you, you're going to give to Mordechai. So, he goes and he starts, he, this is where, you know, it gets like sad. You know, this is where Haman literally pushes his thumb. He's like, please, I beg of you, don't do it to me. Send my sons. My sons have very high government officials. Let them, let them, they can even run ahead. Let them run ahead of the, of the whole thing. They'll scream, this is what it has, but don't let me do it. So he says, you, your sons, your wife, you're all gonna go out there and you're all gonna do exactly what you said, but you're not getting out of it. So then he goes on and he, and he keeps on, he keeps on pushing. He's like, listen, he's like, Mordechai is a commoner. He says, you're gonna put your second to the highest, the second to the most powerful man in your entire kingdom. You're gonna put him standing, you know, putting to a mere commoner? So the king got, at this point, Ahasuerus got really upset. He says, commoner? You're talking about a guy that saved the king's life. He's not a mere commoner. And he says, you know, not only that, I'll make him a governor, I'll do everything, but nothing that you said is going to be omitted. So he, Haman, doesn't stop. Like one of these, you know, annoying, you know, one of these annoying kids that keeps on asking the same questions. So he goes and he says, um, you know, um, I mint the coins. The coins that were minted had Haman's, you know, uh, logo on it. Says, you're gonna put somebody who mints the king's coins, you know, and let him go and carry somebody else? It's not coming for you, not coming, not, not for me anymore. Uh, come on. For me, I understand, I'm not, but for you. So, um, so Achashverosh says, says, listen, says, don't worry about it, you're no longer gonna be minting the coins. Says, maybe I should give it to Mordechai to mint the coins. He says, you know, every, and he, then he starts bringing up, says, by Bigthan and, Sh- and Sarash, when they tried to kill me and assassinate me, I remember you, you're pushing very hard for them to, you know, actually be saved. And, you know, the one person that needs to be rewarded is the person that saved me from them, not the person that tried to prevent it, for, prevent them from getting hung. So, he goes and Haman keeps on going. He says, listen, he says, I have something that's gonna make Mordechai even more happier. He says, listen, you know, I, I admit, you know, I sent out the letters to destroy an entire nation of people. And he says, if you want, what we'll do is I'll send out another letter retracting all that decree. Let the Jews live. Let, he didn't say the Jews, I'm sorry. Let the people live. Let the people live. Because remember, at all this time, it's all ambiguous on who is referring to that this entire nation. Achashverosh had, had some, some ideas, but he didn't fully know that it was, it was the Jews. So, 
he says, um, he says, you know, let it, uh, we'll, we'll retract all the decrees that I said. You know, it's Mordechai's people, and he will be more than happy, that, you know, he'll thank me and you both. So, comes uh, Ahasuerus and says, listen, says, you don't have power over anybody anymore. He says, and if anything, whatever power you have, it really belongs to Mordechai, because it's all, you're really his slave. And he says, you're not going to get out of it. Just quit yapping and just do it. Then he says, he says, listen, Haman goes, he says, just kill me. Just kill me. Better that I should die than suffer this humiliation. So the king said, stop with the dramatics already. He says, if you want, I'll kill you afterwards if you really want. He says, but right now, you're not going to stop anything that I that, that you said you're going to do. And then sarcastically added, he says, look, Haman. He says, look how much I, I appreciate you. Everything that you said, I'm going, we're going to do. Every, every single thing that you wanted to do, we're, we're doing it. So he goes... And Haman leaves, realizing that's it. He has he has no he has no uh, choice, no options. So one of the reasons that Achashvosh actually wanted this, he's, he knew Mordechai was a Jew, but he also remembered that his astrologers, and we spoke about it, this, uh, I think, in the second second class or the first class, is that one of the main things that a king wanted to know is who's going to take over his crown after he after after he dies. This way, he could see you know who is going to you know who he has to be careful for. And the astrologers told him that it's going to be a Jew. So he, that's why he didn't really like the Jews to begin with at that point in time. So he said, listen, let Mordechai wear the crown, wear the royal robes, wear, go in the horse, so maybe it will fulfill the prophecy or the stars, so there will be ki'ilu that he was, and this way a Jew won't actually take it. So that was Ahasuerus' idea behind it. It fit perfectly for with him with the plan. So Haman left, Ahasuerus was happy, you know, he thought he made the right decision, and Haman went to find Mordechai. He goes over there and he sees Mordechai in the distance. He's sitting, Mordechai is with his talit and he's sitting there and he's, he's praying and his students are all around him and they see, you know, from the, you know, they see Haman coming. So the, Mordechai goes to the students and says, you know, go, run, run for your life. And the student says, no, no, no. He says, we are with you when we're alive. We're going to be with you in the death as well. Because they thought he's coming to kill them. So, um, Mordechai began at that point in time teaching them about the Omer. And you see, you know, every second counts. You're not, you know, you're okay, listen, he still has about 50 yards till he comes to me, let's learn a little bit. Right? So they start learning about the Omer. So they learn about the Omer. The Omer was a, um, a koban that was brought, uh, in, um, in Yerushalayim in the time when the Bet Amikdash was, was standing. And it was the first day of Passover. So they were learning the, the laws about the Omer which was brought on Passover. So Haman is, is walking past by them, and he calls somebody over, and he says, uh, what's Mordechai uh, speaking about? So he says, you know, he's speaking about the Omer. So he says, uh, he says, what's Omer? He says, oh, it's an offering that we give in the, in the temple. He says, is this an offering of like gold or silver? And he says, no, no, it was an offering of barley. And Haman says, look at this, look how much your God loves you. He says, your offering of barley outweighed all my silver and everything in my gold that I wanted to pay to have you guys uh, killed. So... Haman walks over to, to Mordechai, dejected, depressed, you know, you know, tzabrachan, like, you know, literally broken. And he's walking up to him, he's like, Mordechai, come on, come on, come on. I, uh, you know, and he starts saying, so listen, I had plans of evil for you, but apparently your God, you know, has, has different plans. And, you know, the king gave orders that I have to put on, and he was holding these royal ropes. I have to put on these royal ropes, the crown, and the, and the, and the, you know, go on the horse, and, uh, let's go. So, um, He's, you know, Mordechai sees how the situation played, so he says, okay, let's, let's go with it. So he says, he says, he says, aren't you embarrassed? He says, I'm sitting here with ashes on my, on my head. I'm, I'm in mourning over here. I've been fasting for three days. Wait, I think I could put on the king's robes without showering and shaving first and getting a haircut. So chasrushalom. Not shaving, it was a haircut. So, um, so he says, do you think I could just do that? He says, I need to go and I need to go get a, uh, get a haircut, get a, you know, get a bath. So, 
he goes, uh, you know, get a nice trim in the back. Um, so he says, uh, uh, so Haman says, fine, fine, let's go, let's go get the, we'll go to the nearest barber shop and we'll go get you a, uh, you know, your bath, everything else that you want. But meanwhile, what was going on, Estelle overheard the whole situation of the, the decree that, that Ahasuerus gave Haman. So Estelle said, you know what, I'm gonna make a, uh, you know, decree. They, she rushed out all the, all the officers, go through all the main streets, make sure everybody closes their business so they could wait outside and they'll be able to experience and see Mordechai. So it'll be even greater, that it'll get even greater kavod. So Estelle runs, has, has this decree right now. Everybody runs, the entire, the entire kingdom is shut down waiting for this parade. So Haman is walking with Mordechai and they go to the nearest barber shop. It's closed because they close, they have to close it. They go from one place to another place. They're all closed. So, so Haman says, "Okay, fine. I'll get you one of my servants to do the do the you know uh, everything that you need." And Mordechai is like, "No, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do his servants. They could kill me. Who knows what they could do?" He says, "I only trust only you." He says, "You are under decree from the from directly from the king. I know you're not going to harm me." So, Mordechai, so Haman had no choice. He took out his old you know equipment from back in the day and he sat over there and he started he, he gave Mordechai a haircut he bathed Mordechai and this and, and then he comes all he comes out after you know all fresh and clean he puts on the royal the royal clothing and they walk out to the horse and Haman says alright no yalla stand on and Mordechai says listen I've been fasting for three days very tall horse I can't uh, I can't get on the horse like this so um, so Haman says you know he's looking there was no stool around so he bends down on all four and he says yalla no go on top of me and bend down so Mordechai steps on Haman, and as he steps on Haman, he repeats a verse, a verse in the Devarim, Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 29. Says, he says, this is a fulfillment of the verse, your enemies shall shrink before you, and you shall step on their highest ones. Literally, as he steps on them. So, he goes, and he's sitting on the horse. Now, they had it, 27,000 men carrying golden cups and pillows were marching in front of Mordechai, screaming, this shall be done to the man who the king wishes to honor. And, you know, the Jewish men were all following it. You know, this was the first turn of events that actually looked slightly good for them. So the the parade was was making its way through town. And it ended up going passing through, you know, Haman's palace. And so, so you know, his, his whole family was looking outside the window. And they see two people. One carrying somebody and the other one on his beautiful king and his, you know, like a crown and, a, you know, beautiful robes. So his daughter was sitting over there in the window and looking at it. And she's like, you know... Daddy, you know, dad, whatever. He just went to the palace to have Haman, to have Mordechai hung. So probably they're parading him. So who's in the front? The front who's parading him, the one who's, who's screaming is Mordechai. The one who's sitting on the horse is Pops. So she, she decided she's gonna make a little, you know, tw- a little, add a little extra flavor, if I may, to this story. So she goes, and back then, so they used to go to the bathroom, they obviously didn't have, uh, you know, pipes in the house, so they would have, um, you know, like these, uh, these toilet chambers, like buckets, sort of. Okay. So she took the bucket for the, you know, from the family, uh, bathroom, and, uh, she waited very carefully until the, per- until the horse came right onto the palace, where she had a nice little porch, and she gets, and very, with careful aim, she dumps the contents right on the person who is leading the, um, the horse. And she's like, ah, Pop's gonna be so happy for me. And she's sitting over there, she's looking down, and you know, with a great big smile on her face, and uh, meanwhile, a whole vile content of feces lands right on Haman. And he's like, you have got to be kidding me. And he turns up to see who did this, and he turns up and he sees his daughter sitting there with a smile. And his daughter is sitting there looking at her father. And for a second, she like freezes. She freezes and she, from, from the fear, she trips over and she falls down. And she falls down, it was a high thing, and she fell down to her, to her death. And, uh, um, you know, and, you know, it wasn't, there wasn't like a time, you know, they like, basically they all, they took it away. They took her away and he had to continue. He had to continue with the, with the march. So, they're going. 
and they march through town. After they finish the march through town, you know, Mordechai gets off the horse, he takes off the clothes, and then he goes right back to where he was before. He puts on the sack, he puts on, you know, he puts, and he starts, he starts continuous the fasting. So, um, and, uh, you know, one of the, one of the reasons was he, he was nervous because, you know, until this time, he always had one thing in his pocket. The one thing that he could always use for Achashverosh was, listen, I saved your life, you gotta help us with the Jewish people. So he had that in his pocket, but now that Achashverosh paid him, he's like, I don't got any, I don't got anything in my pocket anymore. So he went right back to fasting, right back to doing, you know, to doing what he was doing beforehand. Meanwhile, Haman goes and rushes back to, to his, you know, his home. He just lost his favorite daughter. This was the daughter that he actually intended on having her become queen. When he wanted to go and have, um, you know, have, have Vashi killed, he was intended for this daughter to become, to become queen instead. So in, in one morning, you're talking about Haman went from the, the peak to the bottom of the bottom. And, he goes in and he sits, his whole family sitting over there and, you know, the, with the, all his advisors, uh, Haman, and he's, um, and he's, he's saying, he says, listen, he says, you know, the Jewish, the Jews luck, you know, I understand the stars are shining them right now, but don't worry about it. The stars are not going to be shining them for that much longer. Afterwards, it's, it's, it's my turn to shine. So the, all his advisors were like, uh, not going to happen, buddy. He says the Jews don't work like the regular nations of the world. They, they're not. They're not based off the stars. He says if you started falling in front of the Jews now, you're going to continue falling. There's no getting up from here. And you know, and they 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 actually instructed him. They said, listen. They said, um, you know, we actually have suspicion that now Esther might be a Jew. He says, why would you close all the entire kingdom, the entire palace, the entire capital? When Mordechai was to be appraided, there must be something going on there. We suspect that she's a Jew. And if she is a Jew, says you're not in for a good, uh, you know, you're in for a rude awakening. They said, what we advise you is go and plead for mercy. Beg for mercy from the king. Beg, beg for mercy from the, go humble yourself now, maybe you'll have a chance. And, um, so, meanwhile, um, you know, the, the, it was coming the time for the feast, for the second party of Estelle. So Estelle realized she's dealing with a slippery customer over here, Haman. So she goes and she sends guards to go and bring him along. Not to the fact, like, wait till he comes with his guards. He says, no, Esther says, go get and bring him, bring him, bring him to me now. So meanwhile, he was actually thinking of excuses on what to do to get out of, he didn't want to go to the party. He realized the party tonight is not going to be good for him. So, um, he's like trying to think of excuses. I'm not feeling well, I smell like this, I just can't, you know, had a bunch of feces over me. But the guards didn't even, they didn't even associate him like a high government official anymore. Everyone knew that at this point in time, he is a marked man. So, they took him and they actually grabbed him by like force, like like they're, they're shoving him into like a prisoner, and he and he was forced to go into the castle to the party. The um, one of the one of one of Haman's plans, what he was trying to think of, a you know, he says if this is not going to work, what I need to do, he was you know he had a lot of children in in uh, far out provinces that were governors, were very powerful people. He was thinking, let me run to them, and then we'll we'll maybe we'll form a rebellion or of some sort. So. Meanwhile, it was too late because they, they came and they grabbed Haman and they brought him to the feast. And they threw Haman into the feast. Meanwhile, it's, it's Haman in the feast. There's Achashverosh and Esther. Esther is sitting over there. Achashverosh is very agitated at what happened in his whole empire, everything that just happened. You know, he's very, you know, even though he knew that what he did, he should have done, but he wasn't at rest of it. Haman was beyond himself. So Haman and Achashverosh, they turned to the wine. They turned to alcohol, basically to calm, you know, to, to, to calm them down. And after a little bit of alcohol, you know, Achashverosh gets a little bit calm and he says, listen, to Esther, he says, listen, you risked your life for me. I know you want something. Tell me it is what you want. I, you know, up to half the kingdom, I'll give it to you. So at this point in time, Esther reveals herself who she actually is. And she goes on and she says, all I can really ask for is my life. He says, but, you know, you have given somebody the highest possible position and you gave it to our arch enemy. And now that you offered me, 
half the kingdom, I feel that I could go and, and present my situation. And she says, listen, I'm not asking for something that I don't have. All I'm asking for is what I have not to be taken away from me. And she says, I am really from royal blood as well. I actually come, I'm a descendant of King, Sa- King Shaul. And she says, you know, I'm a Jew and I come from the Jewish nation. And you have, your decrees are against the entire Jewish nation to go and have them completely murdered, completely annihilated. And he said, uh, you know, I, you know, if you would, if there would have been a decree that it would have been to sell my people as, and she would refer to them always as her people. If it would have been a decree that you would sell my people as slaves, I wouldn't have said anything. Because you yourself would have seen after, you know, a short amount of time how valuable the Jewish people are, how worth it they are, that you would free them by yourself. But being that you're gonna, that the decree is to kill them and annihilate them, I feel like I have to, I can't go on if, first of all, it's, I'm part of the decree myself. I'm a Jew, I'm gonna be part of the decree. So, she, uh, she goes on, and she says, she says, you know, this Haman, this, uh, he actually didn't say Haman, she says this, this person, this arch enemy, the one who decreed against us, he made complete lies about us. He's complete lies. It's gonna be so detrimental to your, to your entire kingdom if you go and you kill out an entire nation. She said, therefore, I took my life in my own hands and I came to you. I came to you even when I knew I was risking my life because I would have rather died by your hands than by the enemy's hands. And that's why I came to you in that point in time. And then she goes on, she finishes off, she says, she says, I am innocent and my people are innocent. And therefore, my request is spare my people and, there, and thereby also I will too be spared. So, Achashverosh, you know, we said that he, he didn't like the Jews. Why didn't he like the Jews? Because of what the astrologer said. But all of a sudden, he hears that his wife is Jewish and he realizes who's going to take his crown? His son, who's a Jew also. So all of a sudden, the whole hatred for the Jews went out the window. So, and, and now all of a sudden that he hears that, that, you know, Estelle is from royal blood. She comes from a, a line of kings. His love for her just grew tremendously. Before he thought, you know, some commoner, some, you know, good looking girl from, you know, from whatever. You know, that, that's all he thought. But now that he realized she's a royal blood, so all of a sudden, he, you know, he, he loved her so much more. So he goes on, and they didn't mention at all at this point in time who it is, who is, who is the person. They, she, she just referred to it as an enemy, an uh, arch enemy of the, of the Jewish people. So the king goes to her and says, who would be so despicable that would want to kill my queen and her people? Who is so foolish that they're not going to think I'm going to get revenge on them? So uh, Achashorosh turns to Haman, and he says, uh, do, you, uh, do you know anything about this? And Haman's like, you know, he's like silent. He doesn't know what to say. So he's like, uh, he remains silent. He's like, uh, 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 yeah, yeah, I'm not, I, uh, you know, he couldn't even say words. So they you go and they, they, the king started asking around, does anybody know about this? Is it, we know that the Jewish people are the ones that are going to be, he had assumptions, he had an idea, but he played the way, the, the role that he played. So he goes and, and uh, he goes to Esther and says, please tell me who this arch enemy is. So she points her finger to him. He's standing right there. He says, it's right here. It's this guy, Haman. And Haman just started shrinking, you know, like like a witch who's melting. He's like, no. So, and he's, and then she goes on. She says, it's not only that. He also wanted to kill the king as well. So what do you think he came in in the middle of the morning, early morning, middle of the night, he comes to you, you know, when he never shows up to you. He wanted to kill you. What do you think he wanted to wear all your royal robes and your royal horse and everything? And in fact, who did he want to kill? He wanted to kill Mordechai. Why? Because he knows how loyal Mordechai is. Mordechai once saved your life. So Haman wants to go have Mordechai killed because he knows that Mordechai has an ear out for whoever is going to assassinate the king. He says, I can't have Mordechai. Haman is thinking, I can't have anybody like that because I want to go and assassinate the king. And we know that was one of his plans. And she goes on. And he goes on. He says, he says this Haman, he's so full of hatred. He had Vashti killed. And then he plotted against, you know, when, when Bigtan and, Sh- and Tarash went and they were trying to go and, and, uh, and fight for the case. Who was the one who was fighting for them the strongest? was Haman. Because he didn't want them. So... He's, so Estelle goes and, and he says, you know, 
not only is he an enemy to us, he's also an enemy to you. So Achashverosh goes and quickly summons Mordechai. He summons Mordechai and he says, uh, tell me what you know about, uh, about Haman, about his details. So Mordechai knew about the details and he, he basically spelled out all the details. He says he wants, you know, one day annihilation of an entire Jewish kingdom. And, um, and meanwhile, as he's saying this, you know, Achashverosh is getting angry. He's like getting angrier and angrier. It's like Haman played him for a fool. He says, and besides all the parties that he had and all the wine that he had just added to his rage, and now everything in his dream is making so much sense. And if, you know, so, so, he says, you know what, it's too much for me. I have my, my strongest advisor here, I hear that he's plotting to kill the entire nation of my queen, and he's also plotting against the Kelmi as well. He went, he stepped outside for the gardens for a second. And at this point in time, Mordechai wasn't in there anymore, it was just Estelle and Haman. And with all the wine, he should have, you know, really put in two and two together. Don't put the enemy together with the queen by themselves. But, you know, it was just, you know, he was too much in a rage, he went outside. And at this point in time, Haman goes over to Estelle and starts begging. He says, please, you know, I beg of you, spare my life. It's the first time that he actually felt guilty for what he did. He says, I'll take my money, take everything, but please spare my life. So once outside in the, you know, in the garden, and Ahasuerus is calming down a little bit, Suddenly he's thinking, he's like, wait a minute, I just left, I just left Haman with Estelle. Haman was the guy who killed Vashti, you know, he's like, this is not good anymore. So he starts making a bolt and he runs back into, into the, into the palace. Meanwhile, Haman was, was all on, on all fours, like literally bowing down to Estelle, begging for forgiveness and begging for, for mercy. And he heard someone coming in, so he stood up to do that. But as he stood up, he tripped. He tripped, and the way that they used to eat in the olden days, they wouldn't eat like this. You ever see the pictures of the, you know, these old like kings that would like lie down on this like velvet couch, and there'll be somebody feeding them a grape, and there's like a, you know this palm tree of one one slave who you know just has like nothing on but just like some like you know stuff over here, yeah, underwear, and he's like fanning it. So they actually used to eat like that. They actually actually used to eat on the reclining, and that's why in Pesach we recline, like kings used to recline. So Estelle is standing over there, she's reclining, she's eating, and um, and suddenly Haman stands up when he hears Ahasuerus coming in, and he trips, and he trips and he falls directly on, on Estelle. And, and this is what Ahasuerus walks into, this scene. So Haman is on top of Estelle, Estelle is sitting over there, and Ahasuerus is sitting over there, and they're just everyone's like freezes for a second. And so Haman is thinking, and he's thinking, he's like, you know what? He says, if I'm going down, let me take Estelle down with me. Let Ahasuerus think that we're secret lovers or something. Let, let us go down together. But meanwhile, Esther wasn't really playing along with that. And she starts screaming. She's like, your majesty. He says, as Haman, he's trying, he's attacking me. He's trying to harm me. And Ahasuerus runs over to him and he says, he says, with me in my house, you're going to try to take my queen? So he says, now it all makes sense. You are coming to the palace at night, not only for me, you are coming also to check on Estelle. He says, everything is making so much sense. He's like, this is Vashti's story all over again. So Haman could have easily said, you know, like, no, 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 I, I, had, I had no idea she was a Jew. You didn't know she was a Jew. I didn't know she was a Jew. You know, he had so many excuses that he could have said. But he was so nervous and he was so confused and it, it took him just so much by off guard that the words never came out. And Ahasuerus is sitting over there screaming at him and telling him about, and he's sitting over there not saying anything. So Ahasuerus says, your silence is your guilt. And he calls the guards over and he says, take him away. And the guards went and they took him, before they took him away, they put a, um, they put a covering on his head. One of the, the, what they used to do that in the olden days, if the, if, if somebody left the king's presence with a covering over the head, they knew that was, it was death sentence. Because, uh, you basically, you're never gonna see the king again. The last thing that you're gonna see is actually the king. So, which is also, if we get to it, we'll see, this is one of the reasons why we also dress up of the, of the, you know, the covering. Meanwhile, after all this is happening, Haman is getting whisked away. There was an advisor by the name of Chabona. So, 
Chalvona, he was one of the king's seven ministers, and each one had a, certain, a special day that they would go, and this day was, was Chalvona. Now Chalvona over here, he was actually a conspirator together with Haman. He wanted to, back with, with Big Son and Sarish, they actually wanted to go and assassinate the king. They were in on it. So, but besides being on Haman's side, he was also an opportunist, right? The, and we'll soon see, the wicked people, all they care about is himself. So he was nervous now. He says, Haman is getting carried away. And they had some other plans, you know, in, you know, in, the, in the works. And if they go through trial, and if they go through all these things, then Haman's going to start talking about who else is his close, uh, you know, cronies. So he says, you know what, it's not good. So he goes out, and, and Havon, his advisor, says, he goes to Ahasuerus, and he says, he points to the gallows, that uh, this, this advisor, this minister, points to the gallows that Mordechai, that, that Haman built for Mordechai. And he says, um, and he says, he says, this isn't only the bad thing that Haman did. He says, besides Bixan and Sarish, he says, um, he wanted, he wanted to kill Mordechai, the only king that, the only person that saves the king's life, he wanted to kill. And he says, not only did he want to kill him, he couldn't even wait. The Jew, he was a Jew, and he was part of the decree. He could have waited, and the Mordechai would, but he didn't want to wait. You know why? Because he's plotting to kill the king again. And that's why he didn't want to wait, like Esther said as well. And he says, this is why, 50 cubit high, you know what the 50 cubit high is? You're talking about almost 80 feet high, uh, hanging tower. He says, that's not for one person, it's not for Mordechai. He could hang 10 people on that thing. You know why? Because he's pretending, he's, you know, he's planning on assassinating and taking over the entire kingdom. He says, he says, there's nobody, and, and even more so, where did he put the gallows? Not in the regular prison yard where everybody usually gets hung. He put it in his backyard to show that his word is his word. He's preparing everything for a complete takeover. So he's showing that he doesn't need permission for anybody. He's going to hang the strongest advisor. So the, the king says, he says, you know what? Let it be announced that now Haman is going to get hung. But don't, and, and, and uh, the advisor says, he says, don't tell, don't publicize the fact that because there was some sort of scandalous situation going on in your actual palace, that Haman was attempted to assassinating the king and his closest advisors and yada yada, because it doesn't look good. Rather what you should say and specify that the only reason that Haman is getting hung because he wanted to kill Mordechai. So, um, so, so that was the decree and they sent it out. Now Haman heard this decree and who, who was the one who was going to go and fulfill the decree was Mordechai. Hashvash goes to Mordechai and says, do it with him as you please. So Haman heard this king's sentence and he begins to plead with, he begs, he begs his arch enemy, he begs Mordechai. And he says, please don't hang me like a slaughtered cow. He says, I was the most powerful man in the kingdom. He says, everybody was trembling by my word. He says, and I beg of you, don't do to me what I wanted to do to you. Because he literally, he wanted to hang him over here. Now with the tables are turned, now he's begging, don't, have, don't do it. So he says, if you kill me, fine. Kill me, but kill me like a, lo- a nobleman, right? Kill me with a sword in the back of the head, like a, a you know, like a nobleman. Don't hang me like a common criminal. But ra- really, um, Haman over here had ulterior m- motives because he knew he, he what, what he wanted to do is is at least even if he dies, let it, the, the decree stand with all the Jews. Because if he gets hung like a common criminal, then his decree is like okay, whatever. Every decree that he made probably is going to be done. But if he gets killed like a like a like a nobleman, they'll think okay, maybe his decree st- still stand. So he wanted to say okay, kill me, but. He he knew all the laws and the, deep, the you know the details and that. He says, "But if you kill me like a regular one, maybe the decree will still stand." But Mordechai, he sensed what Haman was doing, and he's like, "Uh-uh, not going to happen, buddy." He Mordechai went and he ignored Haman's uh, Haman's pleas, and he had him he had him hung like a regular common criminal. Now, 
he tried screaming, he tried like everything, all the bushes, all the embarrassment that he possibly had. He, had, he, he just pulled out everything, but nothing was helping him. Um, and and uh, uh, even more so, what the king ordered is the king wanted to show what happens for somebody who wants to harm one of the king's advisors or one of the kings. And he made a certain umbrella around Haman's body when it hung so that it doesn't rot and the birds are not going to be able to eat it. Well, it would rot, but the birds don't eat it so that everybody should see. So the decree went out and um, and he comes he comes back in and he sees Esther still very like um, you know very concerned and the king thought the reason why she's concerned is you know she probably you know thought you know so Haman on top of her you know with all, so the king goes to, to Esther says don't worry about it I know you don't have anything to worry about I know you and Haman and we're nothing to do with that and he says even more of that I'm going to give you Haman's mansion everything that Haman owns is now in your hand including his wife and children so. And this is the, this is, look, look how, look how God works measure for measure. Poetic justice. Haman wanted to kill the, the Jews and take away his property. Meanwhile, Haman was killed by a Jew and a Jew took away his property. So everything went measure for measure. So, the, um, they were also, they, they were also nervous now. Haman had a lot of power and a lot of people that were, were, you know, they were pro-Haman. And, uh, you know, now it was dangerous for Mordecai because he just killed basically the leader of this entire gang of who knows how many people in the kingdom. So, um, Ahasuerus goes to Haman and he said, to Mordecai and he says, listen, you have free reign in the palace. Hang around over here. I know there's something going on there. We have to, you know, calm the, the whole, uh, capital down. I want you to stay over here. Here you're going to be safe. So, um, meanwhile, the, and, and this is what we see over here, that the whole point of this entire decree, the entire thing that happened was, was ordained by God. Why? Because the Jews sinned. The second that they did tshuva, then when they repented, all of a sudden everything was switched 180 degrees around. But meanwhile, now Mordechai is in the palace. Mordechai is getting, you know, the king sees him, and, and the king starts seeing, you know, he's, you know, getting more advice from Mordechai, and he realized that, you know, he's not, he's a really wise man. This Mordechai, everything, he's on target on everything, he's on ball. So, the king says, you know, you know, he has an extra ring lying around because he took it off from Haman. And he says, you will now become the prime minister. And they put, the king, put, you know, gave Mordechai the power that, that, um, that Haman used to have. And Estelle, meanwhile, she got the power from the king of all of Haman's power. And she gave that over to Mordechai as well. And, uh, and which included Haman's wife and children to be his slaves. So the, um, the king went and, you know, he was very, you know, the, the whole idea of hanging his closest advisor was very agitating to him. And Estelle, you know, at this point, the decree to kill all the Jews, it was never revoked. It was not, like, nothing was ever done with it. You know, it was sort of like swept under the rug. And, but the king was, Estelle figured, you know, it's not a apropos time to go and start bringing it up to the king because of everything that he just went, so she waited. She waited a full two months before bringing it up. And meanwhile, she asked the, she asked all the Jews, continue fasting, continue repenting, continue doing whatever you're doing. Um, so, she was, and because she was nervous that the king would not retract this, this decree, or maybe he would be nervous, he want to keep it, who knows what. She might be saved, Mordechai might be saved, but the entire Jewish nation will be, will be taken, uh, you know, will be killed. So, she goes, and she waits two months, and then she, she goes in front of the king again. And, and this time, you know, she goes in front of the king, and she just starts begging, like, like, you're talking about, like, crying non-stop. She couldn't even speak. And, you know, she's like, she's like, I have a request, please, please. You know, he's like, she's like, really, really begging. And, um, the, you know, she says, listen, all our enemies are taunting the Jewish people. They're saying, tomorrow we're going to kill you. We know about this decree, and where our decree stands. And she says, please, you got to retract this decree. So Achashverosh goes over to her, and she, he basically handed her the, the royal scepter, as if saying, you have full control of everything. He says, don't worry about it. 
So she goes and and she she basically gives back the scepter. She says, "No, no, no." She says, "I'm not going to do anything without your without your consent." She was basically she realized what the problem was with Vashti. She says, "No, I'm not going down that that hole." And she was completely humbled herself in front of Achashverosh. Says, "We're going to do everything with your consent." And she says, "You know, I'm not going to depend on myself. I'm going to depend on you completely to grant my request." Um, he says, you know, all the people that are suffering, all my people that are suffering is really my suffering. And, you know, I'm, you're not, I'm not asking you this because you owe me anything. My dear king, you owe me nothing. I'm asking you this as only as a favor. As a favor, as, as you know, from a wife to, 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 her, to her king. Please, can you help me out? Please, can you do it for your sake? And by the way, this is how we're supposed to go and we're supposed to pray. When we pray to God, we're not praying to God, listen God, I was just in the Shiva I just gave so much money to Tzedakah. I'm watching my eyes, I'm doing this. Give me some, give me some good stuff. Give me some blessing. We're, no matter how much we do, we're also asking God, not because we deserve it, not because we earned it, but just as a favor, God. My dear Father in heaven, I don't deserve everything that you have given me. You have given me more than I deserve. But now what I ask you from more on, from, from now on is only from your, uh, you know, with your mercy and with your chesed. And that's how she went and she asked the, the king. So the king says, um, she says, he says, listen, he says, I never dreamed, you know, that somebody would kill my queen's people. Of course I don't want this decree to, to go on. He says, but we have to do this very smart because, you know, we have to go with the laws of, of the country. He says, listen, you know, I don't rule one country. I rule the entire world. Everything has to be done the right way. So he says, well, listen, the law is that if a royal minister issues a decree and then they get legally executed, so every decree that they did was automatically uh, null and void. So says the main thing that we need to do to nullify this decree is send out all the you know all the uh, you know advisors and everybody that we have to all the far out kingdoms, telling them that Haman was was executed, which means all decrees are null and void. Now, I mean Mordechai, he you know it was the the letters um, you know the the Haman was hung on the sixteenth of Nisan. But they didn't send out anything, any letters for about, you know, for about two months after that. One of the reasons was, is Mordechai also had the reason for this, is that he wanted all the original mess, because Haman sent out messengers to the entire kingdom, to have it and kill all Jewish people. And so Mordechai was waiting, says, if he's going to send out another messenger, they're going to think, okay, who are we going to listen to? We have two messengers. One says kill, one says do not kill. But how do we know what to listen to? So Mordechai waited till all the messengers came back. The same messengers that came back, is the same messengers that he sends. Because this way nobody will ever think, okay, who should we listen to? This way, that he, this is one of the reasons that he waited also. He wanted the same messengers, so this way it won't be, it won't be like a chash, it won't be a, a you know, a, a, even a, a, you know, something that they would think that maybe it's, it's not, uh, it's not the, we should listen to the first degree. So, this way you know that it's genuine. So, they go and, um, the, uh, and they continue it further. It says, Achashverosh, it says, listen, it says the original, the original decree, that, that, and we could explain, this is how, genius, how it was all all turned around. He says, listen, we're going to explain the original decree, it's not even a contradiction. He says, all along, the Achashverosh loved the Jews. Of course he loved the Jews, his wife was a Jew, he loved the Jews. But he knew there's a lot of Jew haters. So he made a fake decree in the beginning, to let all the Jewish haters come out, to see who they are, so that we know who comes out in the second decree, and we'll know who, you know, that the Jews will be able to, uh, um, you know, to to basically wheel them out to the open, to see who really hates the Jews. So this is a brilliant, brilliant of this turn of events. So it, it goes and it sends out the, the, the letters come, you know, the, the, all, the, all the, the messages come back and they get shipped out again with the, with, the, with the second message. Now, in Shushan, in the capital, it wasn't, you know, it was, you know, it was known that, um, that, that, you know, Haman wanted to kill the Jews. You know, in the capital, everything leaked. So they knew that this whole little switcheroo thingy, you know, it was, it was all about the Jews all the time. So... 
the um, so so at this at this point in time, Mordechai the, the Megillah goes and says Mordechai went out with like you know it, it says he walked he worked out with blue and white and a large golden crown and fine luminous and purple and all these different colors and he rode out in majestic. And one of the reasons that he when he was doing that, the blue and white, you know what the blue and white was? It was tzitzit. His blue and white tzitzit. He had the tchelet. And he, when he wore the crown, he put the, he put a tefillin right in front of the crown. So when he was paraded through town, everybody knew that he was a Jew. This is when he was paraded again. And one of the reasons that he did that, and he made sure that it was a Jew, to show, cause in the capital, they're all like, okay, we know really Haman was the one who was in charge, and now, now the tables have turned, but you know, really it was all about the Jews. But now that he sees that Haman, that Mordechai was outright, no, undoubtedly, very, very Jewy. You know, he had the whole Jewish garb. So, he says this sort of put the decree into so much of a more, um, you know, st- and in fact they put Haman's ten sons, they paraded in front of Mordechai to show that everything was null and void that Mordechai in the capital. This, they had to, they had to do extra stuff in the capital for that. So, the, um, the, the, the entire, the, the, you know, the entire time when the decree went out, the Jews were very nervous in the far out provinces. They were like, listen, you know, some of the Jews were like, okay, let's pretend not to be Jewish. Maybe we could, you know, like, let's try to do that. But when the Jews heard of how everything switched around, not only, like, they came on to become the, to closer to God with such full force that they were even greater than they were even beforehand. So, and in fact, it, the, the, the Jews were so powerful at that point in time that even the Jewish pe- the people that hated the Jews, they were sc- so scared of the Jews that they looked, they started looking like Jews because they just, you know, just to get out of the whole, the whole, uh, uh, wrath against them. So, the decree was that the Jews would now be able to go and take revenge or take avenge on their, on their enemies. So instead of having all the non-Jews go and kill the Jews, now it was switched around that the Jews would be able to kill all the, all the non-Jews. All the, well, all the people that they were enemies. And so the Jews did that. They did that, but they didn't. They only they only killed. They only only the people that wanted to harm them. They didn't go on like a killing spree, you know, like you know, like go and pillaging through town. And the fear of the Jews was like was like an all time high throughout the entire the entire kingdom. Because they thought of it like this. They thought Haman was the most powerful person in the entire world, right under Hachashverosh. Who had him killed? Mordechai. Which means, do a simple math. Must be that Mordechai is the most powerful, because he was able to kill the most powerful man in the world. So there was like, you know, and, and Mordechai is like the top of the top. So there were, you know, everybody was like now scared of the Jews. The, the Mordechai was in charge of three major things, in charge of the palace, the city, and the military. So Mordechai is literally on the top of the, uh, of, you know, of the, of, of the, of the, of the, of the, you know, of the pyramid. And the, um, the, the, it really dispelled into everywhere else. But, Still, at the same time, there was still a bunch of Hamanites, like the Israel Malakim, that still wanted to go through with, Ham- with Haman's uh, plan. And it was actually um, being, you know, led by Haman's ten sons. He had actually many sons, but these ten sons caused a lot of problems. So, um, the, the, what happened was Shushan, the capital of Persia, was divided into two. There was an upper part and there was a lower part. So the upper part was the king's uh, kingdom and the palace and, you know, so whatever, a whole, you know, section in itself. The lower part is where the common people of Persia lived. So in the actual upper part of the kingdom where Mordechai lived and all the, all the advisors lived and it was a very, you know, that's where the upper, upper class lived, there, there was no, everything was under control. But the lower, the lower part was, it was, you know, a bunch of the Hamanites, uh, the, all the people that were with Haman, they started, they were started pillaging and they started, no, we're still gonna kill the Jews. And <clears throat> they went. And, but instead of, you know, obviously the tables were turned, they had the power of the government behind them. And the Jews went and the Jews killed 
500 of Hamanites in the actual capital. And these were, one of the first people to die were actually Haman's uh, children. And uh, they, these children, these 10 children that were leading it, they were all hung right under, they saved their bodies, and they were all hung right under Haman in the gallows. Because remember, we, Haman was, was still up there. So they all hung, hung Haman on the other, their 10 children right under the gallows. This is why, when you read the Megillah, you see the guy who's reading the 10 sons, he reads it with one breath. He'll take a deep breath before. And then he goes, you know, he read all the 10 sons in, in order, and they're hard names. They're not like like Joey in this. They're like, you know, ancient Persian names, you know, so it's a, you're talking about like, you know, you know, you know, like, like names that it's like, you know, it's a tongue twister as well. And you do it all in one shot. Why you do it all in one breath? Because they all died at the same time. Um, and they were all, all hung like, like, uh, like state criminals. And now, and we're finishing in, in well, two minutes, three minutes, we're done. So, Bazaar Hashem. So the, um, but one thing that the Jews did not do is the Jews did not touch any of the spoils. You know, the, the originally, you know, you have all these people that were pillaging. What was the, the decree originally? That the Jews will get killed, and everybody will be able to take the things. The Jews were, then went, took revenge. They killed. They went, and they, and they, the, the, or you know, the, the government as well helped, and they killed all these people. But they did not touch any of their any of the spoils. One of the reasons they didn't touch any of the spoils is because you're not as a, the, there's a halakha. If you kill Amalek, if which is which is Haman was from Agag was Amalek, you're not allowed to touch any of these things. This is one of the problems that Shalom Amalek which is Mordechai's ancestor, that he, that the problem that he did is he didn't. He didn't kill all the things. He saved other animals. He wanted to, he, for good reasons, all, he wanted to give it for Kabanot. But still, you weren't allowed to do that. So as a fixing, an atonement, they went, uh, this time and they didn't touch any of the, they didn't touch any of the, of the, of the spoils. And where do we see that? Where do we see this? It's amazing over here. For whoever understands Hebrew. It says in the Megillah, and I'll tell you the, um, let's see which, which basuk it is. Uh, I know. So it says, it says like this. It says, which means is in the spoils they did not the translation is with the spoils they did not touch it they did not, they did not take it and if you look at the first letters you take is vav is lamet is shin and et is aleph it spells out shaul you know why they did not touch the actual the actual uh, the the actual biza the actual the, the things as a tikkun for Shaul who did take the, the things that's why they didn't actually um, that's why they didn't actually touch it, you can't take it from for, specifically from Amalek yeah specifically only from Amalek so now um, meanwhile what happened to Zarash right there's a bunch of little other stories that's going on over here Zarash you know Haman's wife. And all, they, by the way, they had many, Haman had many children. I don't know how many wives he had, but he had many children. He had, uh, you know, the, the Midrashim say he had also 70 remaining sons. And they were all forced, Zelash and his remaining sons were all forced to flee. They were living on charity. Um, there were many other of his other sons were killed by the sword. Um, and he was on the, the 300 on the second day. Uh, and that's what happened with his family. So everything that Haman planned for the Jews ended up happening to his entire family. What? It says, yeah, in the future that they, 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 they yeah, that they're sitting and learning to walk. The, um, but the but the majority of them the majority of them are done. The um, it says also that that in the outside provinces the outside so in the capital king had a lot of control he had all his guards very easy to control it but he he controlled the entire world you know it's hard to control you know far out things so that there was on on one day they were they they killed the Jews were able to go and retaliate against seventy five thousand a thousand people that were their enemies. 
And um, they all, these are all people that wanted to seek revenge for Haman, that he was killed, they wanted to go on with it, but they went, and it was, it was hard because these were, these were unwalled places, you know, which means is they had enemies from within and from without that they had to deal with, but they were able to go, the Jews literally came united like crazy, they were, they were willing to put their life down to protect their, their, their neighbor so that somebody else wanted, they literally fought together with complete unity. And before they fought, they did tshuva. They did tshuva, they did this. It wasn't like, you know, like, okay, God, they, it was like a, a real, like, milchemet, you know, like, like in the time of the, of the days of the old, that they literally, they would pray, and they would fast, and they would do tshuva, and then they went and they, and they killed it. Literally, God was with them uh, till the very end. And after that, after this amazing, amazing story, it would later turn down to be, you know, our, our holiday of Purim, which we see why it's, it's such an amazing holiday. There's, there's so many, that's just the story itself. That there's so much to speak about, just of the little parts of the story. But the one, there's one point that I want to finish off with, and that point is, um, it, you know, there's there's people many being many ideas from the poem and it, from the story of poem, which is amazing and it, and it's great, great lessons. But there's one idea that I feel doesn't get spoken enough enough, enough about, and that is the main theme of poem. And the main thing of poem people don't realize is tshuva. It's tshuva. And in fact, you know, it says your your poem you could get forgiven, just like Yom Kippurim. You know what Yom Kippurim is? It's Yom Kippurim is a day like Purim. Purim, you could get even a higher level. Which means is the main, one of the main things, the reason why we were saved on Purim is because of Tshuva. Now this always, you know, astounds me because you have these people, they celebrate Purim just because it's a party. But meanwhile, they're doing sins and they're doing all these things and they don't realize, like, you're missing the whole point. The whole point of the story of Purim is doing Tshuva. You have to go and you have to realize it's a day of amazing celebration. But we have to realize what we, how we got to that celebration. And we, Bezat Hashem, we should have this year and again a celebration like that. But a celebration in Yerushalayim. But how do we get to that? The same way that the Jews in, in Shushan were able to do that. The same days that the Jews were there, which is way through Tshuva. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.